Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today is December the 27th. It is the very first Sunday after Christmas. What does that mean to you? What does it hold? Maybe it's a time to take the tree down, get all the decorations put away, and take down the lights. Maybe it's time to gather the receipts of all the items that you received that didn't fit or you didn't like the color or it wasn't your style and we're off to stores to get money back. Maybe it's time to clean out the fridge and get rid of the musco stuff and the cheese ball that's partially eaten. It's got a little green stuff on it and it's not peppers, so we better let that go. Or maybe it's a time to worship Jesus with a new spirit. Maybe it's time to refresh relationships with others. Maybe it's a time to reflect again on the meaning of Christmas so it stays alive throughout the year. Maybe this is a time that you are envious of me. You really would like to be in this space doing this message? I'll step aside. No volunteers? Oh, I'm not getting there. Seriously. Pastor Brad asked me months ago if I would prepare a message for this morning. He takes off for a week in the summer, and he truly comes home with the sermons and scriptures and series well planned out. Well, when he asked me last year to do this, it was easy because it was a series of movies, and we chose our favorite movie, and mine was One Special Night with James Garner and Julie Andrews. And it's kind of a hallmarky kind of movie, but it was about second chances. And it was something I could talk to easily. But there was no quote theme. And so there was no burning bush. There was no deep voice from the skies saying, you are going to preach on. It didn't happen, but over and over, the word recovery and restoration came to me. Those are not words that I normally say in normal conversations. Yes, I do see restore on my computer when I don't shut things down quite right. And I did see a, a big white truck with the word restoration on it. I'm imagining it to be a, a truck that would go to a home and help them with leaky basements and problems with the stability of their home. Recovery and restoration. God had a plan even with that, as he always does, because our pastors have just preached a long series on comfort and joy, the comfort of loving people, helping them heal, helping people recover. And then comfort and joy, the joy of salvation, his promise to be saved for eternity, his restoration. So we put our hearts together this morning with me, talking about and feeling the sense of recovery and restoration. To recover is to bring back to a normal health or status. To bring back to a normal health or status. There is no age on this. It's for all of us, even infants. A small baby is hungry or is wet, 
and tears and crying. And so we immediately try to recover and soothe and comfort that child. We'll rock him, we'll rub his back, we'll sing to him. I'm assuming your singing is soothing and comforting. The child's a little older, scuffs his knee, and we kiss his boo-boo, and we give that ever-comforting Scooby-Doo Band-Aid that always makes things well. Isn't it amazing how they see a little miracle of healing in a Band-Aid? And we praise our children after finishing a, a dental appointment or a doctor's appointment. They're never fun. And we give them suckers and stickers and high fives and maybe an ice cream treat. I guess the Dairy Queen comes in place now since Joe's across the street is down. A reward is an obvious way to recover something. It's an obvious way of getting comfort. Sometimes people try to create a recovery and then end up with problems. Let me say that again. Sometimes people try to create a recovery and then come into some other problems. I had a wonderful chat with our friend Carl Stinnett. We were working in the office and took a little break from paperwork and started talking about Christmas. And Carl told me a story. When he was a youngster, he wanted a bicycle. He wanted a bicycle. Everyone knew that Carl wanted a bicycle. And Christmas morning, there was a bicycle under the tree. Oh, he was so happy that his dream and the recovery from the expectation of that, it all happened. He had a bicycle. Well, then Carl's story goes on. And he says the following year, he decided he, would wa- he wanted a wagon so he could pull the wagon behind the bicycle. Makes good sense. Everybody knew he wanted a wagon this year. Carl wants a wagon this year. Carl wants a wagon. And the Christmas morning and the tree had a wagon. He was so thrilled. He went rushing down to where the bicycle was kept, but the bicycle was gone. He looked around other buildings there at his grandparents' home. He couldn't find the bicycle. He couldn't find the bicycle, and so finally, with concern, he went to the adults and, where's my bicycle? Well, finances had been tough, and they didn't have the money to buy a bicycle, to buy the wagon, so they sold the bicycle. They tried to recover his dreams by doing what they had to do, and in turn, it kind of messed up the situation. This reminds me so much of the book, and maybe some of you have read the story by O. Henry, called The Gift of the Magi. It's a beautiful story, and it's short. I encourage you to look and find a copy of The Gift of the Magi. It's about a young couple. They're very, very in love. This was those first Christmases of being together, and their love was strong. They didn't have much money. They had very little money. And so one of her prized possessions was the length of beautiful hair. And she went to a hairdresser, and she sold her hair for a wig because she wanted to buy her sweetheart a chain to put on his pocket watch. That wanted to be her gift. Well, he was looking for the perfect gift for her. And with this beautiful hair, he had seen an ornamental comb at a store, but he had no money. So he sold his pocket watch 
to buy the comb for his sweetheart. Each of them gave and sacrificed something that was so very, very special to them. She cut her hair. He sold his watch so they could have. They both sold something they loved for someone they loved more. So the story of Carl and the story of the Magi, let's hear another story, and that being the Christmas story. That is the greatest story ever told, a story of, of our Father's love, a Father's love that loved his creation, that's you and me, so much that he sent his son Jesus to earth. Our sin was great. His love was greater. And so to save us, he sacrificed his only son to die on the cross. Comfort and recovery. Our recovery this time. This last year, there has been much to recover from. Financial problems, broken relationships, loss of employment, teaching our children at home, shame from a mistake, not able to spend time with relatives and friends, no group gatherings, and so, so much more. Let's not leave out accidents and illness. Sometimes medications and rehab can bring about recovery. Maybe surgery and extensive treatments are needed. But as God's people, we have tried to comfort others. We've had drive-up meals and boxes of food, homemade cards, making phone calls, knitting hats and scarves, donating clothes, backpacks of snacks for children, virtual programs for our children, taking cookies and candies to frontline workers. You get the idea. We have done wonderful things, thoughtful things to help others, helping others to sense comfort. But don't neglect the peace and the goodness that you experience by doing this, these good things. We share our hearts and are greatly rewarded, not wanting the reward, but a sense of goodness as the giver, loving one another. Bellies are fed, feet get shoes, jackets and blankets, all parts of the physical recovery. But what about the recovery of hearts? And we pray for others. I chose a bit from the book of James in the fifth chapter. Are any among you suffering? They should keep on praying about it. And those who have reason to be thankful should continually sing praise to the Lord. And their prayers offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make them well. Comfort is given through prayer. Comfort is given through prayer. I was diagnosed with breast cancer a year and a half ago, and I was afraid. Phew. I didn't want to die. Surgery removed the tumor, and then chemo and radiation were put in place to better my chance of recovery. In fact, I had my last chemo treatment on New Year's Eve last year. Chemo is brutal. About the time you feel better, then you have to have another treatment, and those chemicals are put in your body. Many of you understand what I'm talking about. 
and you know that there are many difficult days. What prompted my recovery? It was your prayers for Rudd and I. Ooh. The cards and the calls, the foods and gifts, I was surrounded with love. I was never alone. You and God held my hand and my heart. Recovery came from a bad diagnosis. It takes prayers. It takes physical courage, emotional strength, and the comfort of others. I ask you to be diligent in praying for others. There are many on the prayer list who wish to be there indefinitely because they believe that healing and goodness come from prayers. Don't neglect the ones that you don't know their faces, for we pray for all. We pray for all. Let me get back to comfort and joy. Now a few minutes about restoration. I'd like to use the words from Psalm 51. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Janet and Heather probably recognize those words from an anthem. It's probably in most church libraries in their music. I've sung it many times and I've directed it. But the words again, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. Powerful scripture, Psalm 51. Restoration is living the joy of salvation that's given by Jesus Christ. God has revealed an order of life as written in Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books, because it gives a time and an order for those of us that are left brain and alphabetize our spice rack. You understand this. So Ecclesiastes gives us something to be able to hold on to. There is a time to cry, and there is a time to laugh, and there is a time to be born, and there is a time when we will die. So why do I bring this scripture into my message? Every situation, every piece of life is in God's blueprint for us. We will laugh and we will giggle. We will struggle and we will pray. And we will all experience grief. And we all, at some time, will die. So we must be aware to be prepared for what will be. Death is a part of life. There's no way out. Pastor Brad last week spoke of an eternal life with no aging, no pain, no tears. We have a life on earth and a life to die for. We have a life on earth and a life to die for. An eternal life with a perfection that God has designed for us. We, his children. Christmas retells the story of the incarnation of God, a Jesus who loved us so profoundly that he died to save our souls. Restoration. Think with me as restoration being like a big jigsaw puzzle. The pieces include God's grace, forgiving mercy, goodness and kindness, unconditional love, and God has shaped all these pieces, pieces that will fit together, together to create a masterpiece called everlasting life. 
But sometimes we shake the box and we mix up the shapes. We sin. We dump the shapes on a table and jumble them around. We turn away from righteous decisions and good life patterns. We must create strategies to organize and find how everything fits. Is your puzzle together? Or are you still struggling with the misfitting pieces to ensure your everlasting salvation? As one of the ministers of congregational care for our church, I visit patients and their families in their homes and in the hospitals and in the facilities. Not so much of that lately with COVID. And with each visit, I trust the Holy Spirit to lead me, to lead my thoughts, to lead how conversation flows, to lead that I would say a prayer at the end that would be good for the healing and comfort. And I'll also do a little prayer to find me a parking place when I drop it and not have to use the valet because I feel sorry for them having to do so much traveling. But I trust this Holy Spirit to lead my conversation, to help me to listen and to offer comfort. I never have a planned dialogue or an A, B, C, D as I'm going in. But on one occasion with a visit of one of our members, it was a truly God time. We sat and we visited and he talked about his diagnosis and where things were going. His wife was to my side. And unusual to my visit, the Holy Spirit grabbed me, grabbed me right by the shoulders and by the heart. And I went right to the man's arm. His wife was now behind me. And I said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And he looked in my eyes and he said, I do. I said, do you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And he said, I do. Do you believe in the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior? And do you believe in everlasting life? He said, yes. He said yes to all my questions. But not only was it a comfort to hear him say those things, I knew that he was going to be saved. But I could literally feel the shackles fall off his wife's shoulders. I could tell that she really wasn't sure. Now she heard him say that she, he had accepted Jesus. My first husband was a good man in many ways, but he was not one who outwardly professed Jesus. He died a summer ago, and I know my boys and I have prayed that he did come to know Jesus before his death. They worry about that. Don't let people worry about your souls. And so when Brad and others say, how is your soul today? You know what they're talking about. How is your inner spirit, your inner heart, your soul with others and with God? We must come to believe in Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Having the heart for and of Jesus helps us to live like him. We must, we must want to work for the good of ourselves and others. Jesus taught us to love one another. We don't do good deeds to earn that so-called brownie points, to get to the pearly gates and then give the, the green light. 
We will need to repent now, turn from wrongdoings, and we must witness the love of Jesus, feed the hungry, comfort the lonely, and clothe the naked. This Christ-centered life longs for the promises of God. We want his gift of eternal life through accepting him, and then he will restore us. God will take back all our sins, and we will be forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus. Our soul redeemed, our soul restored, and salvation gifted. This morning, it's comfort and joy. It's recovery and restoration. All sermons and messages need a response. So how will you respond today? Have I said something that will help you in your walk with Jesus? Have you been comforted recently? Do you encourage others? Do you hear others recover from difficult situations? And have you earnestly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you shared his name? Have you talked to somebody else? Can you say that you have helped to restore another person's soul? I pray that maybe this will be something that you can do this coming year. Comfort and joy, recovery and restoration. And let these words from Christmas dwell in your hearts year-round. Amen.